0: After dealing with people for so long, you kind of like oh, this guy's a little sketchy. Yeah. Maybe not, you know.
1: Uh, I've I've done some training with civilians as well, and you would think you know I've done I've you know I've done training for tier one units down hmm. to SWAT teams down to patrol cops down to civilians. So, yeah, you know, I feel like I kind why of. Do them them, why do you got to put
2: him? Why do you got to put him on a hierarchy, Brent? Uh, it was it wasn't are, in any particular order. Any better order. than the other?
1: It wasn't in any particular order. <laughs> any although particular order. Although it seemed like it was. <laughs> no comment.
2: <laughs> oh, he didn't kill them. All. Probably blame me for being an idiot,
1: but... And which you were, which we all were. (laughs) You have to make it to where crime doesn't pay. You have to deter crime. Whether it's crime or terrorism, it's the same principle. You have
2: to clash with supervision. You have to or nothing will get done. Supervisors can't learn how to supervise, and you can't learn how to respect a supervisor without confrontation. It has to happen. (laughs) Do not take that out. JV team for life. You guys ready? Yeah. No. Now I'm ready. Okay. Welcome back to the Anti Hero Podcast, part Street Cop, part Delta Force, all podcasts. And we are here with Pat from Apex Training. Is it Apex Training or Apex Training? Apex Training Concepts. 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 Okay, cool. Wear a
1: shirt next time.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, there it is. There it is. I have sunglasses on.
1: (laughs)
2: Also, I've smoked a cigar because it's a celebratory day. So what happened today? Yesterday.
1: What happened yesterday?
2: I got divorced. Mm, yeah, that happens. Do you you were supposed to say join the club. Join. The club. Every man has been divorced, right? <laughs> You've been divorced. Yep. Every man
1: over 30 has been divorced at least twice. <laughs> Not my brother. Mm. Good job, Drew. So
2: I figured we'd kick off the episode with you kind of like telling us Again, I hit you with it because I didn't want you to get caught off guard because it's a very broad question. But we talk about it all the time. I talk about it with friends. Sometimes I pick fun at cops because, they, you know, you could laugh and say apparel company or a podcast. That's pretty cliche. But a lot of them go to the training, right? Training. I do training. This is You know, I, I offer classes. I teach. And it's just become there's, like, so many of them that... I start asking, like, in a legit way, what makes yours significant? Not better, but just more significant. What, what do you do to stand out as far as a small business from other small businesses that are could be considered your competitors?
0: Yeah, so, you know, I'm in total agreement. right? There's a million tactical companies out there, um, firearms education, whatever you want to call it. But I, we like to consider ourselves a preparedness company, so we don't just stop at You know, firearms education. Um, we do leadership training, active threat uh, response, medical training. Uh, we have a fitness side of the house, you know, so we like to consider, consider ourselves like a one-stop shop, you know, um, even our basic firearms courses, you're going to get a medical class with that. Um, it's like one of my core beliefs that, you know, if you want to have the power to take life, you need the power to save life, you know, not in the aspect or, you know, you may shoot a bad guy, but what if you have an accident on the range, you need to be able to, you know, treat yourself or someone else, you know, and get them to, to care, you um,
1: so when I when I retired, you know, I did uh, contract work, and I was a program manager for uh, a Conus United States based training company. So, I say that cause when you say contractor, people assume me, sure. I went overseas yeah. to go do stuff. I don't want to go overseas anymore. I want to stay here, and um, we primarily focused on the military. But as a training company, you, know, you, you want you know you want to throw a wide net. We looked into training law enforcement as well. And there is pots of money for law enforcement, but it's, it's hard to get money from law enforcement to, to some degree. How have you found that to be, you know, the case in your point? You know, how do you, how you, how'd you get your customer base, you know, and, and like any other business, whether it's, you know, your apparel company, my cigars and coffee, you can have a great product. How do you get that product in front of, in front of customers, you know, as a, as a business question?
0: Yeah, you know, so, like, the marketing is always the hardest part of that business. You know, I've only started this about eight months ago, and we're still growing, and we're still, you know, we're still out there grinding. Um, You know, we do training for agencies, and we do trainings for civilians also. I don't want to, like, pigeonhole myself one way or the other. Um, For law enforcement agencies, it's always difficult. Um, You know, my previous career, I was in emergency medical services also, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we ran into that, you know, that same issue. Um, Agencies either just go by the state mandate. Or they just go based off of what they have, you know, um, and it's just a constant grind. It's, you know, you got to get it in front of them somehow, <laughs> right. however you right. can and show them like, Hey, look, I know you guys do this one way, but this way works, or this is the new way or this is the most current way. Um, some bite, some yeah. don't, you know, you can't take it personal. Uh, just keep pushing.
1: Right. I always have a bunch of questions when it comes to, you know, contracting, uh, or your, you know, training companies, uh, you know, and, and how they, how they operate on the business side of things. I'm always interested in business. Um, on the civilian side, I'd imagine because you don't have these you don't have these legal contractual problems that you have to work through to get the contract uh, approved and then you got to wait for um, certain higher approvals besides even your initial one, then you got to wait for the money. That can be a long process at times on the civilian side, that's pretty it's usually straightforward. Uh, you do like open enrollment, you know, uh, for that, or how do you how do you uh, how do you get your, your your customer clientele on, on that side? That's worked for you.
0: Yeah, so certain things, depending on what the class is, will be like LE only, where we vet, uh, you okay. know, w- we vet the student. We're currently I'm currently working with another company right now to come up with like a a street cop style training program and that'll be LE only, um, and then we kind of vet what's, our civilians. Uh, what's that going to be like? Um, you, you know, it was stuff that when I got assigned to a plainclothes unit, stuff I wish I was taught. Mm you know, that I learned over my years on the unit and I was like, man, someone told me this would save me a lot of time, energy (laughs) and effort, you know, certain mistakes. Um, so that's in its infancy right now. We're hoping to push that out come spring. Um, and then I'm also coming up with a pistol call, you know, things that I felt were applicable to law enforcement, you know, so that should be punched out here soon. Uh, we're excited for that one, but on the civilian side, you know, I do my best open source to vet people, um, and you know, you kind of get after dealing with people for so long, you kind of like uh, this guy's a little sketchy. Yeah. Maybe not, you know.
1: Uh, I've I've done some training with civilians as well, and you would think, you know, I've done, I've, you know, I've done training for tier one units down hmm. to SWAT teams, down to patrol cops, down to civilians. So, yeah, you know, I feel like I. have kind of got to put
2: them, Why do you got to put them on a hierarchy, Brent?
1: Uh, it was. It wasn't uh, in any particular. Are any better order. than the other? It wasn't in any <laughs> particular order. Any although, particular order. although it seemed like it was. <laughs> um. The. Uh, I actually, and I haven't trained a lot of civilians. But the truth is, you probably train more civilians uh, than me. And maybe I was just lucky with the ones I that uh, that I did work with. If they're coming for training, it's usually because they're already kind of a gun nut, or you know, they're they're already firearms oriented. And I haven't had any like, really bad experiences with civilians. Some of the ones that were very basic and beginner, um, they're actually very respectful of the gun because they they knew what they didn't know and so that's obviously what what you want when you're, you're training civilians like hey if you don't know if you're not good to at least recognize that and we'll get you there has has that been your experience with civilians as well or have you had some 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 wild experiences i've had some crazy experiences
0: i'll tell you on the whole most of them are pretty cool um i like to get them when they're brand new you know no really, bad habits no, no bad habits completely yeah. moldable you know um I'll take them to the store and I'll show them what they want to know. You know, this is what you should be looking for. Because we we always joke about, like, how does someone buy a gun? They pick it up, they pull the trigger, they look down the sights. Yep, that's it. That's not how it works. You know, there's a lot more that goes into it to buy a weapon that's proper for you.
1: Right. And I don't want to not gun stores. There's there's a, a huge variable here, mm-hmm. but you're also trusting the guy behind the counter. Correct. And the guy behind the counter has a wide variable of experiences and what he likes. Right. As, and he's as, also as, a salesman. As, Correct. That's right. And he's Correct. a salesman. Yeah. So I think that's a, a yeah. great thing to do. Someone who who has no bias into what they buy. You just want them to have the best product for them right. and what their application's yeah. well, gonna be. Right.
0: Um but yeah like I've had some crazy um experiences. Actually the right. most recent one was We decided to do a small gun show. We're like, hey, let's just get out there. It's local. We'll get our name out. And uh, this guy walked up to the table, and he starts talking about his wife who's dying of cancer and how much pain she's in. And he's like, man, she's just going to go any day now, man. And it's just there's no quality of life, you know. And, um, you know. You know, I'm really looking for a gun, you know, and I want to get some lessons. I want to learn how to use it, you know, and he's like, it's a shame what's going on with my Where wife. Where is this going? <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, my girl looked at me because she's a cop, and right. you know, I, we looked at each other, and I was like, oh, yeah, send me an email. And, man, he emailed me for weeks until finally I was like, hey, buddy, you know, thanks, but no thanks. You know, I'm all booked up. Maybe you are going to have to look somewhere else. You know, I just, sketchy, man. Yeah, oh, Sketchy. That's, <laughs>
2: hey, but according to us, he should be allowed to own a firearm because that's he true. Shall not be
1: infringed. Shall not be infringed. We, I yeah. feel like we wheel, wheel his wife out of there. Listen, <laughs> what, what's
0: going to be is going to be, but yeah. I don't want any piece of it. Oh uh, well,
1: I'll, I'll tell you this, I'll, uh, and you know, not that you, you you have plenty of experience, but I'd, I'd imagine um, recommending a gun is super easy because it usually, in my experience, it goes like this: Hey, Brent, what kind of gun? Glock 19. But I might use it for Glock 19. Glock 19. It's the only pistol you need. Go ahead and fight me in the comments. You're wrong. Glock 19. You would think we're endorsed or sponsored by, by <laughs> Glock. We're not. It's a good idea. Glock. We may be after this. Yeah.
2: Um, so, one question I have for you, and then I'm going to go to Brent with a question. Are you teaching the civilians, when you take them to the range, the pinnacle learning point before the four basic fundamentals of shooting? Are you teaching them how to clean up brass?
0: Um, <laughs> Depending on what range we're at, yes. You
1: make, yeah. make them. I they're was not, using m- a m- private m- range for m- a
0: while, and I was like, and now we're going to pick up yeah. brass. And they're like, really? Like, yeah, yeah man. There's um, a different price point for not
1: picking yeah. up brass.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 My next question is for
2: Brent. And I, we've been doing this podcast for a very long time, and I've known you for a while. And every single regular Army soldier or Marine, when they're at the range, they always wonder this question. Does Delta Force pick up their own brass?
1: You damn right we do. Yeah. Oh man, do we? It's yeah. We we, there's a lot of cool perks to that job. Um, Having to pick up your brass ain't ain't one of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And and I'm I'm saying there are days we we spend each person thousands and thousands of rounds, and you're there picking them all up. (laughs) Yeah.
2: It's been. It's been debunked because we all yeah. thought you left them for conventional 82nd Airborne guys to pick up. I've
1: I've I've pitched the idea several times mm-hmm. that maybe just like maybe during one of our trips we just bring a little Afghan back with us and he's just the yeah. permanent brass picker-upper. It it grabbed traction at a lower level, but it always got shot down the higher it went. Yeah,
2: like all those douchebags in the maroon berets, they love picking up brass. <laughs> just have them do it. <laughs>
0: I'm a problem solver. Yeah. But so during OTC, it was just you guys. Yeah.
1: OTC, squadron life. No <laughs> one's
0: picking up your brass. Wow. Fantastic. So cool.
2: let's get into your background. Sure. Right. So um, you are like us, you're, you're military, and then you also had law enforcement.
0: Yeah. yeah so uh, military, emergency medical services, and law enforcement. Joined the Army at mm-hmm. 17 uh, back in 2002. Um, did that till 2015 kind of go back and forth between active and reserve. Um how old are you? I'm 39. I just turned 39 man, last week. You look like you're I know I get up. it all the time. You look like you're
1: 30 at most. Yeah. Why'd you, you j- why'd you join?
0: Um it was just since I was a little man. What'd you do? Yeah. Um so it's funny how it ended up that way. So when I married was, was a pogue first. Did you know that? So so was I. Of Yeah <laughs> so was I. So um the pogist like, of
1: pogs some would say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I'm curious to see what that MLS is going to be. So um i met my recruiter he's like what do you want mm. afghanistan had just kicked off um, right. you know i'm from new york city i knew people that were affected by 9-11 it was like a near and dear to me and uh, i was like infantry and he goes nah bro no <laughs> he was looking he's out like, for you the whole time he was like we're going to iraq you want to be chemical he's and i was like really what's oh. that and he goes oh. he's like you ever see the rock and i'm like hell yeah i have and he's like well, that's what you're gonna be doing so fast forward to AIT where I'm sitting there pumping a water hose. I'm like, this is not it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, he got you. Yeah, you had so a quota, and yeah. you helped fill it. Yep. Um, wow. But then Have there was you like ever
2: seen the movie The Rock?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a it's like a running joke in this, the you know the chemical world. Yeah, um, one for I your recruiters, zero it. for you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he got me. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't all bad. Uh, when I got out of AIT, I got sent to a smoke platoon, which you know we blew smoke for armor. Okay. Which, like, I was like, man, this is really cool. And then you realize how dangerous it was. We're like, wait, so what happens to us? <laughs> you know, how fast can you drive? Yeah. We're like, oh, that sucks, man. So um, they got rid of that. And then I ended up uh, reclassing over to civil affairs.
2: Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's, that's big boy army, right? Civil affairs, psyops, you know. It's, 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 yeah, yeah, so, so like.
1: Uh, you live under big boy rules. Yeah.
2: So yeah, sure. so, it's, yeah, we, we definitely. Um,
0: it, it was definitely cool, man. I, I enjoyed it. People, like, I. Tell people all the time. It's one of like the best kept. Did secrets. you tell them I'm pretty much SF? Uh, all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. So I did that. Um, got out in 2015, but I was also like I said, I was going back and forth between active and reserve. I was I got into emergency medical services. I like fell in love with medicine. Uh, worked my way up to chief of department with my agency.
2: Wait, the chief of mm? the department? Correct. Like you were chief? Yes. Like fire chief?
0: Uh, EMS chief. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> Check that one off the list. We've never yeah. had one of those. Uh, so once that happened, EMS chief.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I finally, I was like, you know what? I got a little burnt out. And I was like, my family, I'm from New York City. My family moved down here and they were always talking, hey man, come down to Florida. So I was like, all right, let me try it. Um, I was like, let me throw my hat in the law enforcement ring. Kind of like ADD when it comes to those things. I'm like, I want to try this. Try so how old are you
1: now as you're transitioning over to a different first responder Career with law enforcement. Um, I
0: was 31 when I moved down here. Yeah, 31. Okay, 31 years old. Um, had a little bit of life experience behind me, so like become a cop. You know, I felt like it it wasn't. It was a pretty simple transition for me. You know, um. You know, then part of my childhood, I felt like I had an inside line on dealing with bad guys. Um. Got into. I was on SWAT team. I was undercover for a little bit. Worked homicide. Um. Street units. Stuff how like big that. of an
2: agency was this?
0: Uh, medium. I guess it's medium-sized agency. Like how many men? Uh, hundred and fifty, hundred forty, hundred fifty. So I guess on the n- what I read, and I didn't think this was a thing. The national average for a police agency is fifty. Oh,
1: I didn't know. Yeah, that I believe that with Probably all the small, 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 towns, small yeah. towns. Yeah, but like I come from thousands New York, of thousands you know, of where towns. the NYPD yeah. is twenty-five thousand. <laughs> That's crazy. It's small a small army. army. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Um. So they were like, "Yeah, we're actually a medium-sized agency." And actually, if you look at it, it's actually kind of the case.
1: Um. So we have this. We you know, not to rehash subjects we've already talked about in the past, but you know, I always like hearing uh, different views because you served in both. We had this conversation about you can serve in the military at eighteen, and and, and in your case seventeen. You had to, you had to have a parent signature to get mm-hmm. it, didn't you? Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. yep. And uh, but and and I think that's a good thing. I think I think you can. I think a young man can do that job. You went in law enforcement with. Experience, life experience, you know, a lot of a lot of things going for you. Um, you know, transitioning that career. Do you think? I think thirty-one is you know, not old, but you know, a, above the uh, clearly above the minimum age. Mm-hmm. Do you think an eighteen-year-old can be a cop? I don't. Um. What do you? And if you, what what age or requirement do you think? You know that that threshold should be.
0: So, it's a maturity thing, right? Right. So for me if i were to set a floor to it my personal opinion would be no. 25 yep okay That's 25 it. years old you know it's been my yeah, yeah. experience i you're see a lot retarded, of you're still retarded but you're <laughs> just not retarded enough <laughs> right. right yeah um you know cuz i know for myself at 18 i was not mature enough to be a police officer um you know and then i've seen just i've seen some 18 19 year old cops that have done well but the a lot offs. of them. I've seen right they're, yeah, they're, they're yeah. the exceptions right. to the rule but I've seen a lot of young ones do stupid things well yeah. even if they're up. not even yeah. if
2: they're not doing stupid things on the job they're making stupid life choices when you can't I don't feel like as a as a cop you have the luxury of having uh going through stuff when a guy's going through a divorce when a guy's going through <laughs> something, something along those lines Sorry. um you you can kind of tell at work and I don't feel you know I just think that it's not, the, it's not the style of job you need to be making your, your young adult choices.
1: Right. Correct. You shouldn't be still growing up yeah, in this exactly. job. Yeah. Like it, there's no need...
0: mercy in law enforcement. Every aspect no. of your life is under a microscope at all times, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, just young kids so doing with, stupid things. And, so and, with,
2: I, and I love hearing when you get hired, the first thing Brass tells you is your family is the most important thing <laughs> to you. <laughs> and you're, you're like, wow, this is great. This is great. Wow. Yeah. And then you find out real quick, they don't care. They suck. So, when I came to my second agency, I'll say it because it happened. I'm not bashing them. But um, I was like fucking 30 in my 30s with a, a, I was a single, single dad with a kid. And I was like, hey, can you and I have prior law enforcement experience. I was like, can you not stick me on midnights? And they were like, no, we're going to stick you on <laughs> with a bunch of kids. Yeah. So n- right. now I'm a dad on a midnight schedule with working with all new guys because they just they like I was like, remember that thing you said about family? And they were like, no, yeah. Yeah.
1: I do not recall that. No. So we're all one big family here. With, we'll just do a quick yes or no, and because we'll, we'll get to the, the law enforcement side. When you joined the military, even though it wasn't the job initially mm-hmm. you wanted to do, did the military le- meet your expectations of what you thought the military would be, or maybe it did it eventually when you got into civil affairs?
0: Um, I was young. I was seventeen, so I believed everything everybody said. You know, uh, so yeah, I want to say yes. It, it, it okay. was. You know, it was what I, pictured it would have been. Okay. Um, and it was funny because the younger guys and. You when know, basic would be like, oh, Jill Sarn's not going to do what they said. They're going to—they're not going to kill us. And I'm like, dude, they're going to kill us. You <laughs> know, like I was young and you know, I very impressionable.
1: When so yeah. when you went to EMS, from mm-hmm. what you knew about EMS to then doing the job, was that job what you expected to do?
0: It was not. Really? It was. It was. I'll be honest with you. It was yeah. better than I thought it was going to be. Oh wow! I wasn't it was expecting better. to go that one. Know, good. Yeah. It, it I'm was. About to hear that. And I love you. I love my EMS personnel. You know, um, I'm still pretty active in the uh, TAC Med portion of things. Um, and there's, I mean, there's great practitioners yeah. out there. It, it was way more complex and involved. I've probably said it,
1: I don't know, maybe half a dozen times by now. EMS are the unsung heroes of the first responder community. They save more people on a daily basis mm-hmm. than all for other first responders, yeah. you know. Yeah. Combined, I, I'm a 100%. huge fan of, of EMS. Yep. Gay.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, and then lastly, because you've you've kind of run the gambit, and now you're 31 and you join law enforcement, was it what you thought it was going to be no it was not it, it was, never is man <laughs> it, it was um i hate to hear that to be honest with you me. know I, I hate that
0: I, I think being a cop is the greatest job in the world i think sometimes dealing with you know agency stuff gets you know it, it was more the threat of ia's complaints dealing with yeah. people on the street it wasn't i was like oh man i, I didn't think it was going to be this D-
1: generally was it the culture of you know, of of the job and you know dealing with your supervisors more than it was the job itself, or both, kind of didn't meet your expectations. Um, because we you know.
0: I do I want to say this? Um, I would say it was probably just a departmental culture thing.
2: Yeah. You know, when um, in doubt, I just say I love my admin. Yeah. Well, I I, my, yeah, I love you know, my department.
1: I, I asked that question, kind of, you know, not, and and not that it's a you know an entrapment question. I'm I'm going to one time hear someone say, "No, man, I, I love I love my job and I love who I work for," and I hate that about. Law enforcement like they you just don't get that answer a lot of times you got I love the job I love what I do you know it was very fulfilling that but what I have to deal with from our own departments just isn't worth it anymore and And I I hate hearing that it's not even dealing
0: with the personalities it's the stuff you have to do for the money you're getting paid and how it takes over your life you know it's like writing reports, calling CPS, you know, making sure all your, you know, your T's are crossing, your I's are dotted, you know? Like, should I have done this? Should I have done that? Worried about, it. am I gonna get a complaint later? Like, that's yeah. the difficult portion. Right. You know what I mean? Um,
2: well, my buddy, when I when I was getting out of the military and going into law enforcement, well, I did some college in between, but uh, my buddy Josh, who was a Marine, and he was a grunt in the Marine Corps, and then he became a cop, like, in the early 2000s or something, or mid-2000s after he deployed, and he goes, uh, Tyler, I'm telling you, cop work is nothing like the military. And I just was like, there's no way. All the camaraderie, you guys running around in your police cars, tackling yeah. people. I just, I, I could not, they couldn't compute in my brain until I did it. And I was like, oh, it's just not, it's not even comparable. They're yeah, like, it's, it's like oil and water. Yeah. It's like totally different. So it is what it is, but you um, have to experience it. Like, Right? Yeah, you, so you just can't tell people.
0: Example, I'm, I'm brand new. You know, being in the military as long as I was, I was a big believer in the chain of command. I, yep. you know, I'm in, I'm on FTO, and I show up to the squad room, and you know, sergeant says something to one of the other officers, and he's like, "Screw you, Jay," and I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> "You know what I mean?" Like, I was like, "Is he talking to sergeant?" <laughs> you know, right. and it's just you not, stand at parade rest when you yeah, talk you to start, sergeant, right? You know, I was just kind of like, "Oh, okay," like it's a little more informal the chain of command here. So Got it.
1: So, so let's break it up and and. To and what I understand to be kind of your, the, the three segments of your career as a patrol cop first. Yes. And then next, was it SWAT next? Yep.
0: I made SWAT after a year and once I came th- off
1: probation. How'd you, uh, had, did that Did that get better? Oh, I loved it, man. SWAT you loved the SWAT a, Yeah, it was always my favorite part. Yeah.
0: You know, any SWAT guy, I'll probably tell you the same thing. You know, it was my favorite part of the job. Um, I went SWAT, then I got onto a street unit. Um do street crimes type stuff, narcotics, guns. And, um, if,
2: and if anybody's listening, if you want to move around laterally in your agency, you join the SWAT team. Really? I'll be, I mean. Yeah, the way it's going. is you know, like, oh, that guy's on SWAT. We need him on
1: the yep. street crimes unit team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had had that phase in your law enforcement uh, career? Loved it. Loved it. That. it. I
0: mean, yeah. I've always loved the job. You? Um, yeah. you know, I've always loved it. Uh, so I went from street crimes to narcotics. Then from narcotics uh, we kind of bounced around between the street crime. We had this hybrid street crimes narcotics unit. Uh, then I went over to homicide um, for a little bit. A little slower, but definitely cooler. I learned a ton. Uh, and then I finished up on a narcotics unit, and we were working on a task force with Homeland Security. Damn, um, dude. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. But I do like that, cool.
1: and that's things that transfer you know, from the military or law enforcement or any job you have. Um, there, there's something to be said for one doing the same job for a long time. And, that, and there, that is to be commended and those guys are the best at that particular job. Um, when I was an assaulter I never wanted to not be an assaulter. I could have been an assaulter my whole time you know in the Delta Force and I've been happy. but I was forced to move to recce and you know get more experience and you know, and round out you know my, my skill set and um, I think that probably translates to you as well from from doing multiple jobs, Really seeing the dynamics of all the different pieces and parts, and how and how they either you know work together or support each other, or what you learn from here, you can also apply there.
0: Yeah, and it, it's especially true in law enforcement, right? So when you're on patrol, you kind of depending on your agency. My agency allowed patrol officers to run with a little more.
2: Can then, you can you talk into the mic a little uh, bit? More? You're um, good. Thanks, man.
0: No, uh, my agency allowed uh, patrolmen to run with a little more and run with cases a little bit, depending. Um, so I got to see that side. But once you become a detective. Now you're seeing the whole back end, right? Search warrants, uh, phone dumps, all types right. of stuff, right? Your interviewing gets better. You're seeing these cases out, um, and I went back to patrol for a little bit towards the end, and I was able to like bring all that back to the newer guys, uh, and it felt, you know, I was like, it felt good that I was able to bring that experience back.
2: No. What, what do you what What do you think about? I was going to ask you this. What, you, with your background. Do you think that every SWAT team should have medics that are SWAT? I'm not gonna say the, I'm gonna say the o word SWAT operators or SWAT. shoot It's hard to say because you're on the SWAT team, you're like mm-hmm. you're a patched in SWAT guy. Yep. Do you think that they should have medics who duel as a breacher, like the same thing? Sniper, breacher, tech, all the different cadres that SWAT teams have. I've noticed that a lot of SWAT teams do not have a medic cadre. And I know it's because becoming an EMT takes a lot of time. It takes six Mm -hmm. months full-time school here, at least here in Florida. But do you think it's worth like, hey, we got two guys right here. They've been on the team for a couple years. They're expressing interest in becoming medics. Let's send them because I've seen agencies do this. My agency does it. My last agency, they send you to school. Your job is to now not take calls on patrol. Your job is to go to the state college and become an EMT. So that way you can bring it over. And become a medic on the SWAT team. What's your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, so I'm real passionate about that, and um, when we're teaching TAC med, I'm kind—I really wish that law enforcement would step up their medical game. Uh, so when I made the team, after a little bit, I really pushed for uh, everybody to be trained at the same level, right? So even if it wasn't an official certification, I gave you all the tools you needed not just me, but other guys also, you know, we trained to the same level. Like we wanted to make sure that every guy knew the same thing that I knew or the other medic knew. Right. Cause that, that's what it's about. Right. It's cross training. Um, and my team, we started sending guys to like the week long Florida SWAT Tac med class, you know, so they were getting at least the T what is the T E C C now, you know, they were getting a certification out of it. So you weren't a full flow, a full fledged EMT, but you still had enough proficiency, you know, with medicine to, to make a difference if you had to. No. Yeah.
1: I'd, I'd, I'd I'll tell you how the Delta Force does it, and I'll tell you how the Green Berets do it as well. The Green Berets, their medics, 18 deltas, Mm -hmm. are part of the ODA and part of the team. And and when you're on the team, that 12-man team, the team hits the house, and so your medics um, are assaulters. That being said, usually what happens is there's two medics on a team, when. The, the special forces team hits the house, one medic will go in the house and one medic stays outside because mm-hmm. you can't have all your medics inside in case they get shot. So that's a little bit of a hybrid of, of what the unit does. The unit, although I'm not comparing it because, yes, we have a, a lot more training time and training funds, but we spend a lot of time as training, uh, going through you know, combat, casualty, medical courses mm-hmm. as assaulters. And every assaulter... Which really, not to oversimplify it, but really the only thing you need to be good at as an assaulter medic-wise is gunshot wounds. And gunshot wounds are pretty straightforward. Stop the bleed, put Mm -hmm. a tourniquet on it, get get them to higher care. I'm oversimplifying it, but generally speaking, our medics never enter with the assaulters. The medics are always outside the house because they can't be in the house near the danger. So... To answer you know your question from from that perspective, I think you know the 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 dedicated medic to a SWAT team should not go through SWAT team training and should not be going in the house. Your job is to be a medic, and their other job is to ensure the assaulters are proficient at at uh, at, at gunshot wounds and can do everything immediately possible to where he can then you know. Take it to the next step of level of care,
0: right? It, my team was very similar, and again, it
1: kind of sounds like that's yeah, what you guys it, it are doing were doing. It was very
0: similar.
2: But the guys that, the guys, your medics when you were with the unit, the guys that hit targets with you, they didn't go inside. But were these guys also? probably some of the most proficient people in the army
1: 100 percent. they were amazing medics they were usually there were 18 deltas already and, and so they could shoot too
2: if they, they had to oh
1: yeah and they they go through a, a lower you know level of of otc but they're definitely not trained you know to the to an assault and assaulter proficiency and and nor should they be because their job yeah. is meds. you want them training the, predominantly on the medical right. side yep Exactly. So I think I think, you know, SWAT teams really, you know, based on that and that experience should be the same way. I would never want my my medic in a stack with me and be like, hey, I'm part of the SWAT team. No, you're not. You are here in case something goes wrong. You can't be in the stack with me.
2: Okay. here's my here's another question I want to ask both of you guys. Another big thing. Same situation. Canine. Canine on SWAT. Uh, Now, I believe. My uh, b- belief on this is that it should not be a cadre on the team. Your canine handler should not be a SWAT operator. Canine, I believe, is a full-time job in law enforcement. You have a dog. You are staying on top of uh, the new uh, policies that are coming out, which is big nowadays. You know, you have to be proficient. You have to be always ready to go when they need a canine. So I don't think that canine cops should be full-time SWAT uh, shooters. Uh, assaulters, you know, whatever, operators, for the sake of this. So I do believe that they should train very closely with guys that stay outside the door because K-9 has become such a good option for less lethal. Oh, yeah. Um, SWAT teams have started in the last, I think, five to ten years, way before I had any experience, with squirters, they realized um, not worth chasing, not worth breaking you know what they're going in and doing for a squirter where if you if you look as a can if I'm a canine handler and I know the guy from the de- from the briefing he has the warrant he's running release the dog but you have to have your team comfortable with that canine going 120 miles by them and they still have to do their thing and it's just lots of training and I know that a lot of teams do not train with canines as an option for they're less lethal, and so I wanted to know both your opinions. On
0: that. Did, did you have a
1: canine?
2: So we
0: had either
1: dedicated or, or access to wasn't one. Wasn't dedicated.
0: One? So we had canine opera, uh canine handlers on the team, uh, but we didn't implement dogs in the beginning. Right. Yeah. Then we had one one canine handler who was trying to implement. You know, and the jury was out. Like our admin wasn't really sure if they wanted to do it. Like, what are the pros? What are the cons? Uh, and I just saw the level of. Um, it was very intricate and very, like, complex. You had, like, the level of training you needed to get it done properly because you're, like, you're saying, you know, you got five guys on a stack moving down a hallway and a dog comes running past you. It's difficult for the dog, too, right? Yeah. The dog will get confused. dog has to train. You know, you can get a bad bite somehow. And it's, you know, it's one of those risk versus reward things. Um, it never fully got implemented in my agency. I know they were trying it at one point. But yeah. uh, I think that's something yeah.
1: I'm. I was initially surprised at when I started training SWAT teams was the the lack of canine assets on SWAT teams a, across America. There's not a lot of dedicated, you know, um, canines uh, at at SWAT teams, and mm. I think I think that's I think that's a mistake. But there's always a little bit more of the story. Canines are it's extra, always uh, red, can, it's always budget related. It's always so.
2: red tape related too. Too many players at the table. You have admin, you have canine, and you have SWAT admin. And all three of them have to agree. Now you have to agree on, uh, what's it called, Um, SOPs, right? Now everybody, I'm assuming they're going to allow, SWAT's going to make the SOP while taking in consideration everything canine's telling them. And hopefully Brass backs the fuck out and then looks at the final product and goes, we bless this. But that takes forever and then guys are retiring guys are leaving then you got the guy that was spearheading it he's not there anymore <laughs> right and that's just and that's just red tape at its finest
0: and even the optic of canine is real scary to some people uh wait you, know, you don't just of,
2: pet him on facebook yeah you know like <laughs> um,
0: community there was a police point time, yeah they're supposed to bite people yeah there was a point in time where there was a couple bad bites you know between neighboring agencies and Um, That still happens. Right. Yeah. You know, (laughs) like like, recently, but everybody was real hesitant (laughs) to use them and they started changing policies. Like, okay, well we don't want you to, you know, you're not going to track off lead for a misdemeanor obstruction anymore. So, you know, like, so policy has a lot to do with it too. It's, it's a real gray area. So I'll
1: I'll, I'll go, I'll back up to the original question. And the answer to that is the right answer. Sometimes you have, you have the answer that of the options you have, and that's what you got to deal with. The right answer is to have, a former SWAT cop be your canine handler. Mm-hmm. The canine handler, when it's time to pull for you know it's time to bring forward the canine, that canine handler and that canine is is working with and and at times intricately with the SWAT team in the hallway, you know, maybe even in the same rooms are trying to get, and that handler needs to understand the tactics and what those SWAT team guys are expecting and what their next move is. That all comes into the you know the chess play of how he's gonna integrate the dog into it so it should be a SWAT guy yeah. and whether it's a, a you know uh, a secondary role that hey now for the next three years you know sorry you're off the you're off the you know the, the, the SWAT team as that as your sole purpose and for the next three years you're gonna be the canine guy and then you know it's a three-year stint or if you have a guy that's you know getting off the SWAT team, but he still wants to be involved. That's a great guy to have because he has ten years, twelve years, whatever years of experience. Still wants to contribute. Maybe he's a little bit older. He's the perfect guy to be your to be your canine guy because he has a ton of experience on what the SWAT team does and what they intend to do, and how he can integrate that dog in, into those tactics.
2: Speaking of using canines for SWAT, we have a great hero of the week.
1: We do, we do have a great hero of the week. It's a, uh, it's not our usual hero of the week but yeah. a hero nonetheless so I'm a big advocate and big fan of dogs um, yeah, people that you know you were talking about the admin the red tape and that are scared of dogs and in the day I just said this at a, at a at SWAT team training the other day people are your most important thing and you should be willing to put every option available in front of in front of your your SWAT members or your police member, in any any human before you put uh, a human in danger, and dog lovers aren't gonna love to hear this, but it's true. But dogs don't have sons and daughters and wives to go home to. I do think at times they're used too quickly, and they should be a last resort, really, because they're really hard. They're really hard to replace. Yep. It's really hard to replace mm-hmm. a good dog. But I wouldn't think twice about you know putting a dog in some place before I sent a, a person in there. So talking
2: about K-9s on SWAT, um, that kind of brings us into the hero of the week that Brent's going to cover.
1: Yes, uh, Connecticut State Police. Um, it was a uh, they're there doing doing a call out, and uh, he decides to make a run for it. Runs across the street. He's armed. Because he had shooting charges on him. He had shooting charges on him. So he was, uh, you know, he he had a violent past. The SWAT team should have been there. But this is a great case of of using a dog. When this guy jets from the house, you can hear the police officers. They see he's armed, and they're using less than lethal ammunition. That can be debated right there whether they should have even used that. We can go back to the arguments we already made about people are so, you know, Scared and so risk adverse yeah. mm-hmm. to you know to do to, to do anything against an, an armed suspect with a violent pass blows my mind, and you hear him say shoot him, and the next two rounds coming out are less than lethal rounds. But at the same time, they release the dog. Here's one of the great things about a dog that is no secret, but you don't really sometimes get to appreciate it until you see it. Is that dog runs at a speed that encloses with on a suspect at a speed that no SWAT officer, police officer can. And it's not just the bite that it's doing. It's creating time and it's creating chaos within that suspect's, uh, you know, processing, you know, his, his thought process. So what he would have normally been able to do, which is he, he had a good distance between the SWAT team as he ran away, they would have had to run him down or they'd have had to close with, And he'd have had all that time to think about or make good shots on police officers. The dog gets there first. The dog gets there lightning fast. And the dog is on him. And he doesn't have time to shoot at police officers. He's just worried about this dog now. Unfortunately, he, as he said, was armed and willing to use it. And he shoots the police dog, Broco, and kills the dog which is which is a sad story and, you know i fully believe all those police officers made it home that night because of that dog that makes the dog the hero of the week Broco. Yeah, that, it's you buddy
2: because i mean if he had the time to take because i mean you've been on the back of the bearcat sometimes when you're standing there for hours the complacency the human mm-hmm. side of you does come in and you start joking laughing you're still watching the side of the house you're supposed to watch but You know, somebody, somebody comes sprinting around and flanking you. Now you can get a gun up on him, but now you're going back into the joke about, you know, the pussy you just had the other night going straight into engaging a guy running around your flank. And now you have to calculate, does he have a gun? What's his body posture? Is he trying to get away? Is he trying to flank me to shoot me? The dog took out any risk. Right. You By go
1: from being the aggressor to to reacting. reacting. Which is not where you want to be. You, you want everything to be in your court. You want to make the moves first. You want him to be reactionary.
0: Well, we used to tell our guys, you know, time isn't on your side. You know, there's this like at old adage, hey, time's on your side. It's not because the longer the bad guy has, the more time he has to formulate a plan, start calculating his options, maybe harden up. That's right. You know, make so a better plan. Make a better defense. If we're discussing OODA loop, right. right, and we use that dog to take him off to A.
1: 100%. You know,
0: versus like you're saying, getting complacent. And then he acts, and I have to react. That takes me off the A. Right. And now I'm just resetting my whole cycle. Yep. You know, and uh, I'm a huge advocate for dogs, you know, and it's a mm-hmm. difficult separation to make because, you know, the optic is, oh, everybody loves dogs. But at the end of the day, in law enforcement, canine's a tool.
2: Yep. And uh, that which brings us to our. I broke your. La- oh, I broke your. Uh, thought I broke your ladder.
1: That's not an FRCC ladder. You can't break mm-hmm. that. Exactly. Use, use this bad boy. This one Plugs. sucks. Give me something <laughs> Light- that works. Lighter plug. You know what'd be crazy
2: is being able to almost burnt my hand off. Wait, gotcha, I got you. I got you. Shut up, magnet. Oh,
1: he, doesn't, he doesn't. It's s- got three flames. Yeah. It's a, it's, he doesn't smoke him a lot. It's a it's a celebratory day. Let him yeah, let him have it, alone, Yeah.
2: It's crazy. I wonder where you could get that. <laughs> It would be crazy if something was on the screen right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, Dumbass of the Week. Now, last last week we kind of did a brass admin dumbass. But I'm I'm scared to call this guy out. I'm not going to lie because he's got a lot of power. So, I'm not going to call the agency out in particular. It's not like you. Well, this guy is, they call him a cowboy. He is the leader of an agency. And it's in Florida. Of course. Why are they always in Florida? Our Dumbass Cop of the Week is... (laughs) I also worry about like agencies talking to each other and you know being yeah. like, hey, your guy over there with that podcast is shit talking to me, and then they're like, I'll handle him. So, <laughs> but using live 911 audio directly to the police responding to the call, right? So I'm going to fill you in on this. Blank office tech update. Sheriff's deputies in the field now have access to real-time 911 audio from the moment the call comes in. Deputies in the area can see the location of the caller, which is always the thing, on a map while listening to the call and heading to the scene. They'll hear the interactions between the caller and the call taker, including answers to questions, first-hand descriptions, emotions, keyword emotions, and background noise. This can cut response time down to seconds when seconds truly matter. Other agencies using this technology, blah, 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 blah. First off, that is the worst fucking idea you could ever fucking do. And here's why. Here's why. So, it it comes with being a cop. You know that every fucking call that comes in is going to come in like a murder. (laughs) You show up, and 95% of those calls are a civil dispute between two people arguing. But people will say whatever they have to do to get the police there, and people act emotionally because it's their problem at their time. So, they're... Domestic argument with their spouse is the biggest problem they've had in a long time and it's emotionally charged, right? So you take that emotion and then you send it into the ear of a responding cop. That's part of the job is learning you don't respond with emotion. You respond with tactics and you respond with being safe and eliminating a threat if need be. So when you're driving to a call, you are running through scenarios. What will I do if this happens when I show up? What will I do if this happens? You always have it on the back of your head. This is probably fucking retarded and I don't need to be here, but you're responding <laughs> for worst case scenarios. Even the most experienced officers. If I hear something that hasn't been filtered by a professional call taker to a professional dispatcher who is going to professionally relay it to me as a cop, that's her job or his job is to take out the emotion and send me what I need to know to get the job done. You're eliminating their professional, Per, their profession, their what I, what's the word I'm looking for? Their expertise in the field. Right. You're eliminating. You're bypassing their skills. Yes. Why? Why have right. them? If right. I, right. if they can just call me directly, I'll respond. Right. right? Yeah. And it, it, that is the worst fucking idea. But of course, it's admin trying to say they implemented something and made the agency better. And of course, in today's world, they're using technology right technology like axons gonna own police in about 20 years I give you I can tell you that now they're trying to use technology to to help police work get better by saying they're gonna shave seconds off like if a cop can't figure out when he's on his way to me what he needs to do when he gets there don't send that cop send a cop that's a cop right I don't he doesn't need to know the intricate details of the argument of the TV that my wife took out of my house that she's not allowed to take out. Cause I bought it with my money, even though it was a gift for Christmas right. and she's <laughs> screaming at me. He doesn't even know any of that.
1: Yeah. I, I think this is a classic case of it briefs. Well, cause when you first were explaining it to me, I was like, well, it kind of actually sounds like a good idea. It's always good to streamline information right, yeah. for you to get as much information. And sometimes you, you could have this telephone game thing where the dispatcher didn't get all the information or they interpreted the information differently, so you get a chance to hear all the information yourself. And it probably briefs well. But then, but now hearing someone who does the job and why this is a bad idea, they should have, they the, the, the police should have polled the people who actually have to use this and see if they wanted to implement it, which clearly did not happen, well, which right, I'm sure would never
0: happen. And right off the bat, my, my initial thought went to Well, now you have officers running 10-18 hot to a call, and instead of focusing on driving, they're listening to a call, and they're distracted.
2: Oh, whoa, yeah, because they're usually driving for every... I don't know how long it's been, but, I mean, you fucking fart in the car while you're on camera. You're getting written up.
0: Yep. I mean, I've known guys to get written up for the music they were listening to while going to a call, or um, during a pursuit telling someone to get the fuck out of the way yelling at civilian traffic. I want to give a shout out to all my
2: homies that that's Mm -hmm. happened to that I know personally.
1: Yeah. Um, Are are they listening to let the bodies hit the floor on the way out? Um, I I could see that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like I feel like this one was like a rap song. I'm not really sure. (laughs) That's their um, argument
2: is that it's public record. So when they make everything that you record public record, now they have to worry about an auditor getting that and going, this guy just Responded to a call. God forbid he shoots somebody, and he was listening to Drowning Pool's "Bodies." Like, yeah, right. That's gonna right. be. That's yeah. What do we call that? Optics. That looks optics. Yeah.
0: optics. is everything, right? Yeah. Optics is everything. Yeah, you they know, say we,
1: perception is reality. Perception and, I, and, is I've, reality. and I've always hated that. No, reality mm. is reality. Don't. Yeah,
0: it, but I feel like you know the line is real blurred when it comes to law enforcement in that aspect. You know, um, you know how people perceive things in 2024. Now yeah. that's what the reality is gonna be not what actually happened for most cases, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. We had a guy that I knew that was wearing a black beard patch on his vest, you know, and they were like, hey, man, you got a pirate patch on your vest. How's it going to look if you tube somebody and you get this pirate thing on you? And like, I'm going to rape and pillage him, too. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Real quick, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Zero 09. We made contact with Zero 09, and they, you know, we decided we were going to give them a little shout-out I've bought their gear. I didn't really know. Uh, I, I'm not a gear guy, but um, I, don't, I can't wear it now because I need, I switched magazines, but I wore their, uh, I think their triple magazine holder. But, you know, Zero Nine Holsters. They're out of Cleveland, Ohio, and um, they're custom-duty gear manufacturing company. They're two full-time police officers who decided in 2010 to begin creating solutions that work for public safety community, a.k.a. you got street cops making things for street cops. There's a general theme to this. Fucking That's exactly episode. who we want to support. Yeah. So um, since that time, we have expanded to create solutions for portable radio cases, canine equipment, and other duty gear for our public safety colleagues that they need to do the job. Right. So again, if you're gonna buy, if you're gonna buy a holster, I'm not trying to knock any other holster company out there or any type of gear company out there, but the fact that these guys are still in the field. They are able to T&E their own equipment. Right. So yep. um, they do agency deals. They do, obviously, individual pers- per- purchases. And they also have, um, you can go on their website for Zero 09 Holsters and you can find where people deal their equipment. Shout out to Zero 09 Holsters. And uh, let's get back to you. Where can people, what can people get from it? Do you offer anything online? Um, do you, Or is it strictly I'm assuming it's probably more physical-based product because
1: of the the tactics that you have to teach.
0: Yeah, so so um, they all end up
1: being custom courses, or yeah, so or the um,
0: like the street cop thing I was telling you about—that's probably going to be an online course. Um, oh, but for most real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to package it and just that way, you know,
2: so people can take it to their agencies and teach it physically. Hundred percent. Yep. Okay.
0: Um, and then the pistol qual when it comes out, you know, it's going to be free for everybody. That'll be posted. Um, and then yeah, the rest of it is usually in person, but we'll travel. Where can they find you? Uh, www.apextrainingconcepts.com. We're also on Instagram. It's apex underscore training underscore concepts. Uh, and then we're a YouTube channel. Not We're just starting the YouTube channel. So not a whole lot there, but we're going to look and we're looking to push more YouTube content out. Uh, and that should be just at apex training concepts.
2: Okay. And, uh, what they would like to do is, you know, you've been, I've never trained anybody on, on the range or at the range, but you have, you have to train civilians. Right. I'm not knocking any civilians by any means whatsoever. They, don't, they do lack the experience. They do lack, you know, anything that they need to be safe. What's one of the craziest or funniest experiences that you've had teaching, even law enforcement, where you were like, oh, my God, this just happened in my
0: care? Um, Didn't mean to hit you with that. No. I, so round two round things pop come <laughs> to mind right off the yeah. bat. Um, luckily, no negligent discharges. You know, I haven't had any close calls or any accidents like that. Um, I had one where uh, a, during a pistol qual course of fire, there was a malfunction on the pistol, and said female just put the gun on the ground. I was like, I don't know what to do. Well, um, right now. yeah, that's right. That, right? That's one. Um, and then at least,
1: hopefully, laid it up, uh, laid it down on the ground, up and down range at
0: least. Yeah, uh, yeah, at least uh, it was up and down range. Yeah. But uh. uh uh, that's know, a unique way to handle it. Everybody but, but was kind of like, Not the worst way. They <laughs> yeah. all kind of looked like, okay. Um, and then another one, I was teaching a civilian who was a gun store guy, right? You know, I've been around guns all my whole life. Um, and to reload his gun, he realized that his mags were on his strong side. He put the gun in his pocket, grabbed his mag. Oh, the good, reloaded in his pocket and pulled it out.
1: The, the good old boy holster. Yeah, holster, yeah, yeah. yeah, but he had
0: a holster on him. <laughs> but he chose to use but the good old boy holster. he chose to use holster. his pocket because yeah. he panicked when he realized. Is right, yeah. That, yeah. We were talking about gear setup earlier, and I think he didn't. Right. Like, he was like, oh, man, he told me to put it on my weak side. It, yeah. you know. And then he realized he was caught because I was watching, and he panicked. And I, mean, I don't know what he was thinking, but thankfully, there was no end He didn't shoot himself.
2: Being in a, being in being working for the government and the military and law enforcement, do you have to, is there any... Screaming at the civilians when no, they, you know, you never no, I don't,
0: I don't, I don't. People already come, mostly civilians, right? They come to the range are already like they're mystified by guns and it's this myth, the mythical thing, and they're already right. scared. And me right. trying to act like a hard ass right. or like I'm so much cooler than you yeah. and I know something you don't. It we'll doesn't. will just induce more stress, right? And then yeah. you know, there's no, there's no training benefit to that, right? You know, so no, nah, man. It, my courses, we like to keep them chill. Obviously, very safe. There's no yelling. There's no screaming. I'm just, you know, maybe back in the day with the old school drill sergeant right, mentality, yeah. I believed in it. But you know, as you progress through your career, you realize how not effective that actually is. How
1: was. how about on the fitness side?
0: Um, fitness side, you mean like what we offer? Yeah, or,
1: yeah. Oh, as far as Do you yell at little them little them and call them little, Oh L- no, a little, nah, little I mean, bit of yelling, um, motivation so on the fitness side. Where where <laughs> I'm, where I'm at in my fitness journey? You know, right.
0: I, I'm always training, trying to compete and. Uh, most people that I get they're like, Hey man, I want to do this, I wanna do that. Okay, man, hit me up when you're serious. Because I get the I want to all the time. And then when Damn. I tell you the details,
2: hit me up when you're serious. Don't
0: <laughs> you know I, I love get it all the time. That's I'll right. get I'll get twenty right. DMs a week about, Hey bro, how do I get big? Hey bro, how do I get fast? And I'll be right. like, Google hey, bro, it, motherfucker, I'll be like, that kind hey, of There there's infinite amount of resources. Man. I will help you if you're right. serious. Oh, but I got a back thing. Oh, but I got a shoulder thing. Oh, but I got kids. I'm like, Hey, I got kids too. That's right. Everyone's I got to a I have a job too. That's right. I don't like working out. 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Sometimes at night, but right? I do it. Yeah. You know, it's how dedicated are you? When you have the dedication, you're serious. Come see me, and then we'll work it.
1: Right. Uh, what I, What I do sometimes is, is tell them, sure. Let's 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 look at your daily schedule, and let's see if we can knock out. I don't care right. if it's 30 minutes. Did you Did you scroll on Instagram today for 30 mm-hmm. minutes mindlessly? Right. Bet you did. Right. You know, we I. You can find 30 minutes in your schedule that you Absolutely. chose to do something else rather yeah. rather than focus. on I fitness. can give
0: someone a 20 30 minute hit workout that'll break them off, and you could do it in your living room. Right? No, like I there, bet you can do no, it in, in ten minutes. Yeah. You can't do hundred yeah. burpees in your. That's bedroom. right. I'll give
1: you a Tabata workout. Right. That, that That'll crush you. In, right. You know, in five it's,
0: just, it's that whole side. You know, it's just filled with excuses. And every so often, you get a good one that really, really wants to progress themselves. And I appreciate yeah. them.
1: You feel like when when those people reach out to you, just the way they pre- like, you can almost just tell through the earnesty in their voice. You can tell immediately. Yeah. That he's asking me the same question that that guy asked me, and I kind of said, "Hey." get back when you're serious, but it's just the way he presented it? Or uh, do you feel like, you know, right away? Yep. I'm going to work with this guy. He's, or, yeah. is it, or, or is it through a pulling out process that kind of all starts the same and through pulling out the process you, you get to who's, who's, I don't who's
0: want not. to have to motivate anybody because I know you're not going to be consistent, right? Cause it's not about being motivated. It's about being disciplined, right? Very so great. if you don't have the discipline to work out, I don't care that you're motivated for a week. Because you just watched, you know, Lone Survivor, whatever the case may yeah. be. You're thinking about going to selection. Oh, I'm motivated. Yeah, talk to me in four weeks. You know, yeah. talk to me when you're sore, when you're, you know, you're tired, and you still want to do this. But uh, yeah. usually, right away, we can I, I can tell if someone's serious or not just in how they present themselves. You know, and if the injury things start coming up immediately, I'm kind of like, oh, here we go. What, you know?
2: my my last question for you: When's the last time you ate McDonald's?
0: Uh, surprisingly, I eat it a lot more often than you think.
2: Nice. Damn! I was gonna ask Brent, when's the last time you ate McDonald's?
1: <sighs> I'll just be honest with you. I fell off in December. I just fell off. The business got so now I'm sitting here making excuses. But I, I, and I've said this before. Every month, you should look back on your last month and say, "Hey, like what 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 am I gonna do next month?" And you know what your schedule is like next month. You know if you're gonna have a super busy month. You know if it's you know kind of a little bit back to normal. Every month, you should a- assess what you did last month and what you can do better next month. Uh, December was an off month, for me, and I made the choice that I'm just going to go head down and work for the whole month of December and make 2024 better, and that that'll change in January. So,
2: new year, new year?
1: No, new new year, same old me. <laughs> <laughs>